Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Man's natural inclination is to shut himself off from God. In his carnal state, he is so full of himself and his sin that he desires nothing of God or his righteousness. Upon such human fullness, the Lord Jesus pronounced a solemn words of condemnation in Luke's gospel, chapter 6, verse 25, when he said, Woe to you who are full, for you shall hunger. This is the picture of our righteous and unregenerated world, hungry but never satisfied. On the other hand, when people have seen their spiritual poverty and are willing to repent with due brokenness at the foot of the cross, only then are they able to receive that which God has for them. The Savior, the Savior's commendation in this fourth beatitude is for those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Let's look at the indignation of holy desire. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. Words do not exist in isolation. They exist against a background of experience and thought. When the Lord used the word hunger and thirst, he was speaking of the intensity of desire. Hunger and thirst. This is no mere reference to hunger which could be satisfied with a morning snack. The thought is that that of starvation. Similarly, the picture behind thirst is that of a person or an animal, parched, exhausted. You see, David was a hunter in his young days. And in Psalm 42, he visualized the scene of a panting heart or death, trapped by hunters. Perhaps the animal had been running for some time, or maybe it might have been shot. With one last look towards heaven, he cries, food, water, before finally dropping dead. To David, this was a description 
of a soul thirsting and hungering after God. Are you longing for God like that this morning? Is there an intensity or desire for God? I would leave you to ponder that for a few moments. I'll come back to it. But secondly, let's look at the instability of desire. Blessed are those who thirst after righteousness. You see, hunger and thirst are not feelings that go away. They are evidence of spiritual health. That deep desire for something that you cannot produce yourself. It is continuous. In fact, they become so great by what they feed on. We can test our spiritual position before God by asking the question, do I hunger and thirst after God? Did I meet him in the word this morning? Did I drink spiritually this morning from his word? Am I desperate for God? Am I desperate for revival, for God's blessings? Are we, church? Is that a part of our innermost being? Did God really met with you this morning before you came out? Did you prepare yourself to hear from God this morning? By contrast, a sick person has no appetite for, spiritual, for spirituality. If we cease to hunger after God and to pray, to obey, to serve, to witness, he will be a living corpse. Alive, yes, but dead even while you live. I believe with all of my heart this accounts for the reckless action in our local assembly today. We are hungry for so many other things, pleasure, power, popularity, prosperity. But for Christ to crucified, not a place that he can enter in a heart for which he died. This is indeed a solemn charge. And we need to hear and we need to heed the Spirit's, the spirit's challenge. Revelation 2.7 says, and I quote, To him who overcomes, I will give to eat from the tree of life, which is in the midst of paradise of God. Secondly, we note the aspiration of the holy desire. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. For many Christians, the word righteousness is merely a theological concept with little 
or no personal meaning. This is not what the master intended when he uttered this fourth beatitude. He was not thinking of some abstraction or moral conformity to the will of God, but rather a life of holiness in Christ. In practical terms, we need a life of moral separation. We are in the world, but we should not be of the world. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. This aspect of satisfaction involves separation from anything and everything that displeases God. It involves avoiding of sin in any form. Jesus mixed with sinners and he ate with them, but he never lost the holiness he possessed. He was never defiled. He was separated from them, even though he was very much involved. The Bible does not condemn sin in sinners and condone it in saints. To God, sin is sin. I wonder if you hear me this morning. God is no respect of person. If we sin and he doesn't deal with us, then we are not his if we do not confess that sin. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, and I quote, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbeliever. If a young man or a young woman decides to marry an unsaved man or woman, that individual is playing with sin. Now I know there are those of us are looking at the biological clock and we are saying, oh, it's getting late and I need to do something or else I'm going to be left behind. It's better to be left behind without a wife or a husband than to have a wife or a husband that destroy your relationship with God. Such a person should marry, 1 Corinthians 7.39 says, in the Lord. Or in other words, marry an individual who are born again into the family of God like they are. We can move this in another direction. If a businessman is underhanded in his dealings at the office, embezzling monies, stealing supplies, or tampering with the records, then he is living in sin. It is a disobedient act. Once again, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, and I like the way the Holman's Bible puts it. It says, don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless action, but be filled with the Spirit. May I say to you, sin is also a disloyal act 
James 4.17 says, and I quote, To him who knows to do good and does not do it, to him is sin. Sin could be the sin of omission, failing to do what God says and what pleases him. It is a disloyal act. The Bible goes on to point out that sin, the, the sin of doubtfulness act is also sin. In other words, when we pray, do we believe God? May I say to you, if we are praying in the spirit, we can always end our prayer with thanksgiving. Because we know that we will have it because we are asking in accordance with his will. In other words, Romans 14, 23 says, what is not of fate is sin. Hebrews eleven six says, and I quote, without fate, it is impossible to please him. That is God. If there is something doubtful in my life, then I have to pray about it and wait before God in the light of his word and in the counsel of mature Christians to know whether or not I ought to proceed as the saying go, what is doubtful is dirty. So if you have doubts about what you're doing, Nine chances out of ten, it's dirty, and you need to leave it alone. Secondly, let's look at the life of, a, of spiritual transformation, because that's where we want to go. We want to make sure that we are transformed by God and through his word. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. The purpose for redemption is to be conformed to the image of God's Son. Romans 8, 29. Day by day we, we should be looking into the mirror of God's word. So that by the inward working of the Holy Spirit. A change takes place from glory to glory. Until there is a greater likeness of our Lord. Is that where we are this morning? Is that where we want to be this morning? May I say to you, this is heaven's highest priority. Are you hungry? Are you hungry for that? People everywhere today are searching for happiness as an end in itself. But happiness is only a byproduct of something far more important, that of hungering and thirsting after righteousness, which is Christ's likeness. When we seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, as Matthew 633 tells us, then and only then will we know the blessedness of happiness, not before. But what of 
the satisfaction of the holy desire. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Or as some version puts it, they shall be satisfied. In the classical use of the term, the word fill, it means feasting or filling of an animal, feeding that animal for the kill. Uh, I remember on the islands when we were going to kill a chicken, they were separated and put in a special area, a sheep or a goat as well, and you fed them until they left, and you didn't feed them once, and they got filled, and you say, now he's ready for the kill. You keep on feeding the animal for several weeks until you are satisfied. This could be enjoyed. You know... I believe with all of my heart that the Lord Jesus wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to continuously being filled. The epistles, the epistle of Paul to the Ephesian in, is a book on fullness. In chapter 3 and verse 19, Paul prays that the 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 believer be filled with all the fullness of God. The reference to God the Father is shown as the infinity of his fullness. It is mind-boggling to think that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. I don't know about you, but for me, I, I just cannot comprehend it. That Frederick could be filled with all of the fullness of God. Just as a, a balloon is inflated when we blow into it, so the Bible deepens and expands our capacity until we are filled increasingly. That is what we could call the progressive sanctification, like an expanding balloon with all the fullness of God. In chapter 4 and verse 13, the, the Ephesian writer says that the gift given to the church was Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints. It is to bring to us the measure and the statue of the fullness of Christ Jesus. That word speaks of God's Son and the totality of his fullness in her, our lives so that we can become more and more like Jesus day by day. Let's look at Ephesians 5, 18 once more. It says, and I quote again, and do not be drunk with wine which leads to reckless action, but 
be filled with the Spirit. Here is the reference to God, the Holy Spirit, and the reality of his fullness. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. That is, satisfied with the fullness of all the infinity, totality, and reality of the Godhead. That is God's purpose for you and for me. That is what the Lord Jesus is talking about. Now you might ask the question, how do I go about getting the fullness of God? Let me, let me give you three ways or three points. Point number one, we need to tell the Lord to fill us. Luke number 11 verse 13. It says, If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Let me ask you a question this morning. How many of you here this morning that has a child or know of a child who was hungry and they asked for bread and you picked up a stone and placed it in their hands? Not one of you. I dare say not a single one of you under the sound of my voice this afternoon will do that. Well, if you, according to God's word here, and me, who I evil, knows how to give good gifts, how much more our Heavenly Father will give us if we would ask him. Secondly, we need to trust the Lord to fill us. Again, Acts chapter 5, verse 32. God has given the Holy Spirit to those who obey him. So it tells me that you need to ask God, but you need to be a doer of God's word and not just a hearer. You must be willing to obey God's word. I like the way the uh, hymn writer puts it. It says, trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Thirdly, thank the Lord for the filling. Ephesians 16, I'm sorry, Ephesians 6 verse 18. It says, and I quote, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. As I said earlier, if you are praying in the spirit, then you will be praying according to God's will. Not your own will, not your own desires, but what God desires for you. And then you can definitely thank him because you know you have it. Why? Because it's what he wants to give to you. It's what he wants to give to us if we are praying in God's will. And secondly, 
let me ask, what about the freshness of sanctification? What about the freshness of satisfaction? Is it something fresh? It says in Matthew 5 verse 6, they shall be filled. Here is a distinction between fullness and freshness of satisfaction. Undoubtedly, most of us have experienced some form of fullness. But is it fresh? Is it up to date? We can be caught up with an experience that happened years ago, but there is no freshness to it. There is no fresh experience for or of the living God. What has God done for you this week? But let's bring it a little closer. What has God done for you today? We all know of people who give glowing testimonies of spiritual experience. This is an experience they had years and years and years ago. But ask them what the Lord has done for them that week or that day. See what kind of response you receive. In conclusion, we can attend church knowing all of the theological jargons, but are we open to the fresh touch from the Lord? Are we hungry to know more about him now? Are we thirsty for a new experience for him? Even if it means breaking us, molding us in order to fill us. Sometimes he needs to do that because we are so full of self that he can't reach us. He has to break us first. If that is the case, then you need to tell him, you need to trust him, and you need to thank him. As J.L. Lyons puts it, and I pray this is your prayer as it is mine. Let me come close to thee, Jesus. Oh, closer day by day. Let me lean harder on thee, Jesus. Yes, harder all the way. In all my heart and will, oh Jesus, be altogether king. Make me a loyal subject, Jesus, to thee in everything, thirsting, hungering, for thee, Jesus, with blessed hunger there, looking for whom on Zion's mount, no thirsting, no hunger there. That's your desire today. If it is, I will encourage you to pray with me. I'd like us to just stand to our feet, please. Hold the person nearest to you. Let's agree on this. 
I believe with all of my heart that God is searching for real people, people who are serious, people who are willing to be broken. Let's ask him this morning to give us that filling. Father, you reminded us from your word that no one comes unless you draw them. Oh God, this morning, I know without a shadow or doubt, Lord, that your desire is for us to be closer to you day by day. Oh God, I, I, I pray this morning that you will search our hearts, you would see if there is anything that is preventing us from becoming near and there to you, that we will get rid of it, cast it away, that you might have all of us each day of our lives. Lord, I commit this congregation to you. Each one, Lord, as they open their hearts to you, Lord, fill in accordance with your divine will, plan, and purpose for your people. And there, God, we, 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 we want to thank you, Lord, because we don't have to wonder if this is something that you want to do because we know, according to your word, this is heaven's plea. So, Lord, if we aren't drawn closer, it's not because of you, but because of us. Help us to recognize what is hindering us from being drawn closer to you today. And we will be careful to keep you first and foremost in our lives. We thank you because you cannot lie and you reminded us that we can come to you and we can make our requests known to you. And today, you hear our hearts. Cleanse us, I pray thee, is my prayer.